Are you ready? Welcome to the College Cheer Guide Podcast, preparing the next generation of aspiring collegiate cheerleaders. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the College Cheer Guides Podcast, where college cheer is life and we want to talk about it. My name is Sling Glover. My name is Maddie Uswa. My name is Mason Uswa. And, and we, we are the, the College, college Cheer Guides. Guides. We're excited to announce the launch of Fraction Social Pro, a first-of-its-kind national social media staffing company. Need social support, but don't want to outsource to any agency? Hire an embedded or remote fractional social media pro that reports directly to you. Looking for top talent to hire direct? Their team knows the social media space and can help you create a job description, recruit, and place full-time social media staff to make your life easier and ensure the very best placement. Today, we have a very special guest, Garrett Fogel, an Ohio State cheerleader, TikTok star, and connoisseur in the topics of optimal nutrition, lifestyle, and health. We are thrilled to have him here on our show today to share his insights and knowledge with us. Before we dive in, let's get to know Garrett a little better. So Garrett, tell us where you're from, your age, and your current status in school. Yeah, so I'm Garrett. I'm 25 years old from Kettering, Ohio, and uh, I am a graduate student. I'm going to get my master's here in a couple of weeks at the end of the semester, and then I will begin a PhD. Nice. Love to hear that, Fogel. So you have an extensive cheer career. Tell us more about it and where you first started. Yeah, so I actually never cheered until I was a sophomore in college. Uh, Growing up, I wrestled and played football, and then my freshman year of college, I went to undergrad at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Yeah, my first year, I started doing Olympic... Oh, fuck. (laughs) My first year of undergrad, I started doing Olympic weightlifting, just like in the school rec centers, and one day, a guy approached me and said, hey, I know you're not doing powerlifting, but I'm on the powerlifting team, and we need more numbers. So do you want to join? You'll get access to the varsity weight room three days a week for an hour at a time. I was like, yeah, sure, man. Sounds good to me. It's better than the rec center. So I joined and a couple weeks in, I was in there lifting and this big jacked dude comes up to me. He goes, hey, do you want to get in here like whenever you want? I was like, absolutely. That sounds awesome. He goes, okay, sweet. Cheerleading tryouts are tomorrow. You should come. (laughs) Tomorrow. Yeah, so I showed up and they taught me how to do a toss chair and a toss hands. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So then I did it. And uh, yeah, that's how it all began. Nice, dude. So cheering at Miami University, tell us about that and then your transition to cheering at Ohio State. So my first year at Miami, we had just gotten a new coach and the program was just starting to be getting built up. My, my first year, I think the highest skill anybody on the team had was a toss QB. Wow. It's, they've come a long way since then. I'm very impressed. Very proud of them. Heck yeah. Um, by my senior year, so we started competing. We competed for the first time when I was a junior, and then we competed again my senior year. And with, by my senior year, we competed Rewind. So it was, it was a pretty decent routine. Nice. But at the beginning of my senior year, I was like, you know what? I'm about to graduate. I'm really enjoying this. I don't want to stop. So me and my teammate at Miami, Eric, decided to come to an Ohio State clinic, you know, just for funsies. And when we were here, 
uh, we we talked to Coach Ben. We're like, hey, can we cheer here next year? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so that's how it happened. Beautiful. That's, that's awesome. That's so good. And then now at Ohio State, tell us tell us about your time here. It, it's been awesome, man. It's the great coaching, great facilities, great teammates. Uh, game day is an awesome experience. Get to learn all sorts of new skills. It's a blast. I love it. So obviously you have a big following on TikTok now. So why don't you tell us how you got started on TikTok and into getting doing content creation? So my senior year at Miami, one of my teammates had a video go viral on TikTok. I was like, oh, that can't be that hard. I should try to make a viral video. <laughs> and I didn't really have any good ideas or anything until about two or three weeks before lockdown started. There was this like news article that came out and said there are three cases of COVID in the United States. One of them was like near Miami University. And so people around Oxford were freaking out like way before the whole national panic. And uh, I, we went to the grocery store and I saw people stocking up on water bottles. So I made a TikTok saying, hey, people are freaking out about COVID buying water bottles. Every true gamer knows you just need a two by two square and two <laughs> buckets of water to get an infinite water source. That's a smart way to do it. And that video did decent. I think looking back, I think it only got like 30,000 views, which is a lot but not that much in the grand scheme of things. But I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was so excited about it. So after that, I just kept trying to make viral video after viral video after viral video. I didn't really have any plan for what I wanted to do with my social media. I didn't really have any goal. All I thought was, what can I do to go viral? And I analyzed different viral videos that I saw, looked at what parts of those I thought, like I tried to find trends in what made things go viral. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had quite a few go viral, but my TikTok page was just kind of a mess. Like I didn't really have any real theme or anything. So eventually later that summer, I started posting more cheer stuff, but then I realized like, I don't want to focus solely on cheer because I'm not going to be a cheerleader forever as Mm -hmm. much as I'd love to do that. Uh, One day I'm going to be too old, you know, (laughs) not there yet. Getting close. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I post a lot of cheer videos, and then I sort of got burned out of it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I got up to, I don't know, 100, 150,000 followers just posting a bunch of nonsense and then starting to post cheer things. And then eventually I decided, I, I, I sort of started changing how I was living my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did this program called 75 Hard, and... Um, as I changed the way I was living, then I sort of got back into TikTok and just sort of posted about my life and what I do and all that. And that has been sort of the most fruitful thing as far as building a following because now I'm actually getting followers that are interested in a specific topic rather than people who just follow because I made a viral video and said follow. So Fogel, mm-hmm. with cheerleading, grad school, lifting, and content creation, how do you maintain a healthy and sustainable lifestyle with all of those things? Yeah, so I really prioritize my health above any of those things because without my health, I wouldn't be able to do most of those things. You know, like 25 really isn't that old, but if I lived like the average 25 year old, there's no shot that I would be able to flip my body, throw girls, 
snatch 120 kilos. Absolutely. So it, it really is like a prerequisite to living the type of life that I want to live. I need to be eating a certain way. I need to be, you know, being on top of my sleep, being on top of my training. Um, so, so I really put health, I put my, I put my nutrition ahead of everything else, my nutrition, my sleep. And when would you say this realization to prioritize your health above everything? When did, when did that realization first, first come to you? Uh, the summer of 2021, it was, uh, we, we had just gotten out of the COVID year. My first year at Ohio state was the 2020, 2021 season. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do anything. We didn't practice or anything. Um, and I was stunting a lot, like outside of practice, obviously, cause there was no practice, but I really had just sort of let myself get out of shape. Like I was super bad about my nutrition. Then I would lift a couple of times a week. But I was like out of shape. And I realized that summer uh, after June practice weekend, I was like, I am really out of shape. I need to fix this. So I heard about this program 75 hard before. And I was like, that's so stupid. Why would I do two 45 minute workouts? Why would I do a workout outside? What's the point of doing a workout outside? And I thought it was dumb. But then for some reason, I saw like, I think I saw a TikTok about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look more into this thing. And so I looked into it. I looked on the official 75 hard website and I was like, you know what? This is pretty convincing. I think I'm going to do that. And from there doing the 75 hard program and listening to the guy who created it, Andy Frisella, listening to him talk about the program really just sort of helped shift my mindset. And it's still an ever going process. Like I still struggle sometimes with staying on top of everything that I want to be on top of. Uh, but it's grown a lot. I, I do the program over and over again. I've done the different phases of the program. Um, but that initial 75 hard was really the catalyst for it. I don't drink a lot, but when I'm out with my friends and they're all drinking, that's very hard to not be able to do that. So like, what can I do to help me do that? Yeah, so the first time I did 75 hard, that was like a major concern for me. I, w- I had this big fear that I was going to miss out on all the parties, all the fun, all of that stuff. But I decided, you know what, 75 days, I can get through it. And uh, I just committed to it and just kept doing it. And I still went out with people and I would I would just drink water. And obviously towards the end of the night, it gets really annoying once people start getting really drunk and you're not drunk and you just go home. Um, but eventually I came to realize that I have to prioritize my goals over what other people think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's still, I'll occasionally have a drink off program, but really now I'm doing 75 hard right now. I I don't really have any desire to drink anymore. I don't know. It just kind of lost the fun for me, but yeah. That's kind of crazy. It, it really is, especially because, like, if you go back to, like, my sophomore year at Miami, man, I loved <laughs> to drink. But I guess I was, I'm also old compared to yeah, the average. See, I thought I was getting student. old. But no, I'm no, up there. you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I think so. I just grew out of it, I guess, maybe. Maybe that's what happens when you get old. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think 75 Hard has impacted you performance-wise for cheerleading? For the most part, in a positive light, um, 
one, it helped me fix my nutrition. One of the rules is you must stick to a diet. And my diet's been different every time, but now I finally have it dialed into what I think is really the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fueling better for my performance. Uh, the extra workouts help me get in shape, especially in the off season. I have had some issues before where I push myself a little too hard on the 75 hard workouts. So like one of the rules is you have to do two 45 minute workouts, one of which has to be outside. So I've gotten really into running Mm -hmm. right now. I'm not running as much. I'm doing more rucks for my outdoor workouts. But when I was running a lot, there would be times where I would come into practice and it would be difficult for me to do basic toss stunts because my legs were so tired from pushing hard on these runs, especially because as I got really into running, 45 minutes wasn't enough for me. I was doing these longer, like two, three hour runs. Three hours, very rarely, more more like one to two hour runs. Okay. Pretty often, I I would go, <clears throat> like I, I would do a ten mile run several times a week, just because I was reading David Goggins' books. That that so the reading portion too really helped with my mindset. David got David Goggins' book specifically made me want to run a lot, and Heck that yeah. might have impacted my cheer negatively in a little bit. But I think from a mental perspective, it helped a lot more. Um, and for those who don't know who 75, 75 hard is, can you explain it real quick? Yeah. So it's a program created by this guy, Andy Frisella. He's an entrepreneur that owns a bunch of different companies. Um, he created it because he was really fat and he was like, man, I run a bunch of like health companies. I'm, I'm a hypocrite. You know, I'm a fraud. I need to get in shape. So he came up with these rules for himself that sort of one help them get in shape but the main the main goal of it is to build the discipline that you need in your life to achieve whatever you want so the program itself is is pretty straightforward it's very like simple the rules themselves but uh actually doing it is where it gets difficult so you have to do it for 75 days you must follow these five rules One, you must follow a diet. It can be any diet you want, but no cheat meals, no alcohol. And you can't just come up with some BS diet where you're eating a bunch of garbage processed sugar food. Um, Two, you must do two 45-minute workouts, one of Two, you must do two 45-minute workouts, one of which must be outside. Doesn't matter, does not matter the weather, rain or shine, how hot or cold it is, 45 minutes outside. Get outside, baby. Connect. Oh, yeah. Connect. Get the sun on the earth. And you... <laughs> Get the sun on the earth. Sun on your body. Get it's... the sun on your skin. Get the sun in your eyes. You know, all that. Uh, three, you have to drink a gallon of water every single day. Read 10 pages yes. every day? Four. Okay. Read, read 10 pages every single day of a nonfiction or entrepreneurial type of book. That's the one that I really thought I was going to hate. Uh, and when I first started, I really did hate it. I would get really distracted. I would start reading and then I'd pull my phone out and it it would take me like, I don't know, almost an hour to read because I would almost every page be like, I'm bored to pull out my phone. But then I started getting smarter about it. I would leave my phone in a different room, started getting better at reading, started enjoying reading more. Now I think that's one of my favorite parts. Uh, and then the last rule is you just have to take a progress picture every single day. Sick. So you have to do that every day, 75 days in a row. And if you miss any of those tasks, you start over at day one. Ooh. Which you know very well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the first couple of times I've done 75 hard, I've completed it twice. I went through all the way, no issues. 
I'm currently doing it for the third time. I think I'm on day like mm, 10, 11. I can check. I have it in my app. Um, just under two weeks. I have been, it, it's currently what? April 14th? 14th. It's April 14th. I started the day after Christmas <laughs> and I have failed. I failed, I think three times because of the progress picture. So, you know, even no matter how good you think you are, this is just a reminder. You got to pay attention to the little details because those can really get you. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when, so the 75 hard, you're getting this mindset in, you're really, you're not conforming to anything, but getting hard. That's what it is. Oh yeah. Getting hard in the weight room, outside, in your lifestyle. When it comes to throwing stunts and when we're doing um, performances on where you have to hit the skill outside for football games, when that pressure gets there, how do you feel that this lifestyle has helped you get into that right mindset when you're going to throw that skill in front of people? Oh, tremendously. So since I started doing 75 hard, since I started doing 75 hard, I've come to enjoy doing difficult things. And David Goggins talks about this in his first book. When you do difficult things, that sort of adds cookies to the cookie jar. And uh, that I think that's the phrasing he used. I might be butchering it. But basically, the more hard things you do, when you find yourself in adversity, then you can open up that cookie jar, look back at all of the difficult things you've already overcome and see, wow, if I'm capable of all of that, then I'm most definitely capable of hitting a stunt in a performance or whatever the current task at hand is. Like the other day at practice, when we were doing that gauntlet, mm -hmm. it was basically, we had eight counts going and you had to do, I think it was just a platform lid, maybe a toss extension, mm -hmm. I don't remember, with a different girl for every eight count for a bunch of them in a row. And it was difficult, but in my mind that whole time, I was just thinking, man, I ran 48 miles one time. This is easy. <laughs> and it Heck helped yeah. me hit all the stunts. And you know, maybe I would have hit it either way, but I think that having that in the back of my mind was really beneficial. So going off the, going off of that, I want to, my next question for you is about motivation. Okay. So Maddie knows this, but you two probably don't. So about a year and a half ago, I weighed 320 pounds. I was able to drop 115 pounds in about six months. But now that I had surgery, I've been out for three and a half months. I've gained probably 35 pounds back and I'm having trouble finding the motivation to get back down to where I need to be. What can I do to help me? Yeah, that can be really difficult. Uh, the After the first time I did 75 hard, I sort of got lax again. If we're being honest, it's because I didn't make nationals, so I got really depressed and I just ate a bunch of junk food again and stopped working out. Uh, and then I realized, I, I just had a realization. I looked in the mirror, I was like, man, what am I doing? Why am I letting myself get back to that? And now I think that it's more of, I have to work every day because I have a fear of returning to where I was less so than Less so than thinking, man, I'm so far from where I want to be. I think more about, man, look how far I've come in this period of time. I still have so much more room that I could progress to. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I understand. Because yeah. like, I'm way better than I was. Yeah. Still, yeah. But from where I was 
four months ago, six months ago. Yeah. You know, my mile time was under six minutes. Mm -hmm. Now I don't even think I could run a mile in eight minutes. And it's like, what am I doing now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it really helps to, instead of thinking about how far you are from your peak, thinking about how, how far you've come and what your potential is. It's for me, it's somewhat disheartening. So last year I was running a lot all the time. I would, I would very regularly run in zone two for 45 minutes or whatever. I would do like a five or six mile run at like an eight minute pace, which isn't crazy fast, but it was decent for me. Now, the other day I went out and I was like, I'm pretty similar body weight to when I did that before, but I haven't been running as much. I went for a run and I think I did like four miles at like a nine minute pace. And I was dying at the end of that. And for a minute there, I was like, man, I am really mad at myself. Like, how did I let my running get this out of shape or get, let my running get this bad? And then I thought to myself, okay, well, what else? My lifting is way better than it's ever been. My stunting is way better than it's ever been. The running is a little bit arbitrary. You know, I, I try to focus on what improvements I have made rather than focusing on anything that I have lost or regressed in. And I just try to, you know, push forward on the areas that are most important. So Garrett, I know you seek out the most natural food you could get. Tell me more about what foods you avoid and love that supports your optimal nutrition needs to perform the best you can. Yeah, so I really try to focus on foods that are gonna make me feel good and Mm -hmm. perform well. So I try to avoid things that are super overly processed, things that are filled with seed oils, which is canola oil, rapeseed oil, soybean oil, any vegetable oil really. Uh, I I avoid a lot of refined grains, and I think that's really it. I, I really just try to focus on, I eat a lot of red meat, I eat a lot of fruit, I eat uh, some vegetables, but for the most part like fermented vegetables. And by the way, most, most like quote unquote vegetables, like culinary wise are actually fruits. Um, I do honey and maple syrup for quick carbs. Um, I do a lot of rice and potatoes. Oh, eggs. Eggs is a big one. Heck Love yeah. me some eggs. Uh, eggs and red meat for my protein. I'll eat other meat sometimes, but ruminant animals like cow, lamb, venison, uh, bison. That's where I try to stick to for most of my protein. Um, what else do I eat? Oh, dairy. I really like preferably raw dairy. So either raw milk or dairy that comes from, uh, or sorry, or like, sorry, cheese that comes from raw milk. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're scared of raw milk, which is totally understandable, low temperature pasteurized is going to be the next best thing. Beautiful. Um, but I, I find that eating those foods helps me feel good all the time. Uh, when I was eating a lot of processed foods, even when I was doing 75 hard the first couple of times, I like the diet I was following allowed me to have things like I would have pasta or I would have like uh, protein bars that are full of a lot of additives and things that I just now don't eat. And during those times and during the times when my diet was really bad, I would often, like my energy was up and down, up and down. Sometimes I would feel great. Sometimes I would feel like absolute garbage. Sometimes I would feel great and then I would crash. 
uh, it was really all over the place. Now I feel pretty consistent and stable throughout the day, no matter what, just sticking to these foods. And it's awesome too, because my cravings for like junk food, garbage food, whatever, have kind of gone away. Like if I'm starving, then anything sounds good. But if I'm just getting a little bit hungry, then I now crave a steak or some eggs or some fruit or whatever. So Heck yeah. It's a good deal. I like it. So I have a question about seed oils. Okay. So I understand what seed oils is, mm-hmm. but I don't understand why, why it's so bad. So from, from a performance perspective, they're not going to be super terrible. You could include them in your diet and still perform decently well, but from an actual health perspective, there are a couple of issues. So seed oils are super, super highly processed. Uh, there's very little oil in a seed, so they have to use a lot of seeds to extract that. Uh, seed oils are full of poly... Uh, the fat in them is it's a polyunsaturated fat, meaning that it is very unstable and it will oxidize rapidly, meaning like it goes rancid. So for starters, a lot of these seed oils, they have to treat them with chemicals to deodorize it. So that way when it goes rancid, you can't smell it. So most of the seed oils in these, like, you know, whatever processed candy bar, <clears throat> chips, whatever you get, the seed oils in those that you're eating are rancid, like rotten, um, but you can't smell it because they put chemicals in it. So there's that. Two, if, when you consume these, they'll, they'll oxidize in your body fairly rapidly, and that has been linked to a bunch of issues, you know, cancer, um, autoimmune disorders, inflammation, and uh, what's the other thing? Oh, so these polyunsaturated fats, it's their omega-6 fats. So they're two, two different, there's omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids. And you do need some omega-6s in your diet. However, when the omega-6s get too far out of balance with the omega-3s, that's when you start seeing negative health issues. What would fish oil be? Is that an omega-6? Um, no, no. So like if you're eating like fatty fish, well, like when you have like people take fish oil pills. So the, the fish oil pills, I would personally avoid cause a lot of times those are rancid, but if you're eating like salmon or something like the actual fish, um, that, that is omega three fats. Okay. I, I, I think the fish oil, I would assume that's probably also omega threes, but I, I believe that they are <clears throat> from what I've heard. I'm not an expert in Fish oil. I don't have looked too much into fish oil pills, but I believe that those are often sometimes rancid. Okay. Also, just to preface, seed oils are used to are used in a lot of fast food restaurants. Yes. It's very easy to cook on because they're they can burn very well, and it's also very cheap to produce. Yes, they are extremely cheap to produce. They were actually uh, created by Rockefeller. Uh, they were a byproduct of engine lubricant. And he was like, you know what? How can I make more money? Let's see if we can make this a food. So they made it a quote unquote food, but really I don't think it's fit for human consumption. So like I was saying, so like you mentioned, they're in all the fast foods, all the processed foods. So therefore um, the majority of Americans, since they're eating these foods, their omega six to omega three ratio is way out of whack. And I think that that is a major cause of a lot of the diseases going on in this country. Plus, it causes chronic inflammation, which is something that I've tried to avoid because inflammation, it's a natural response 
to injury and it's a part of the healing process. However, being chronically inflamed and having too much inflammation is a bad thing. So a lot of, for our viewers out there who are in school and get all these school lunches as well as college, um, just like the college, what would you call it? Dining hall. The dining, dining halls. halls. They're going to use a lot of these seed oils to cook all their foods because it is cheap for them and it cuts out, it makes a lot more profit for the food industry. So that, uh, why, that is why it's so important to cook all of your food by yourself using what, what supplement, uh, what supplements do you use to not use seed oils like coconut oil, beef or beef yeah. tallow, butter? So in my opinion, the best thing to cook your foods in is going to be animal fats. So, uh, beef tallow and ghee are both good options. If you're cooking at a higher temperature, if you're cooking at a lower temperature, uh, you could use butter. You could also use things like duck fat or lard. Uh, with those, I think you got to be careful. Uh, like organic, you want to make sure you're getting organic because so tallow, ghee, and butter all come from cows, right? Cows are ruminant animals. They have four stomachs. Uh, they can process out a lot of the toxins that are in the, like the pesticides that are in the feed that the cows eat. Whereas like a pig or a duck has one stomach, they don't process those toxins out as well. So if you get like a cheap lard or a you don't really see cheap duck fat in stores. Hmm. Uh, but if you were to get like cheap lard, then that's going to be full of omega-6s too. So I would really just stick to tallow, ghee, or butter for the most part. Or, but if you do those other fats, yeah, if you do those other fats, go organic. Additionally, you could also do fruit oils. I'll do fruit oils sometimes. Um, coconut oil is a good one. Um, with olive oil and avocado oil, you got to make sure you're getting a high quality oil because sometimes if you get a cheaper olive oil or avocado oil, they will mix it with seed oils to sort of cut it because obviously it's cheaper. Mm. Um, and I, ideally you want to get cold pressed and you want to get things that are stored in glass, not plastic. Nice. Yeah. Another, th another, t uh, thing that I see you mention and talk about a lot are microplastics as well, which can come from your plastic water bottles can again, plastic storage units. Um, what are things that we can do to avoid getting microplastics in our body every single day? Yeah. So in our current world, it's almost going to be impossible to avoid all microplastics, right? But some things you can do to minimize it are one, get a reusable water bottle made out of either glass or metal. I like metal because it keeps my water cold. Nice. Uh, that's a good one. Avoid getting foods packaged in plastic. Avoid heating your food up in plastic containers. I switched to all Pyrex containers to store my food in. Mm. Those are really the main things that I do. I don't, I, I try to avoid drinking out of plastic water bottles now when I can. And then some other chemicals similar to microplastics. I would avoid cooking in non-stick skillets or non-stick cookware in general because those release uh, PFAs, which are like forever chemicals, basically that they stay in your body forever. Mm -hmm. And you know those are endocrine, endocrine. Those are endocrine disruptors. They're gonna screw with your hormones. Um, oh, avoid plastic like spatulas, spoons, anything you stir your food with. 
especially because if you're stirring hot food with a rubber spoon, then some of those microplastics are gonna leach into your food. So ideally use like a wooden spoon to stir your food. Sure. Or or stainless steel. Yeah, so in schools there are problems with, you know, vending machines that have the plastic water bottles. You guys have the food industry cooking all of your foods very cheaply, processed, think about like Lunchables, all those easy snacks that you guys eat uh, in food, in your high schools, in your colleges. Use this information to start creating a more healthy lifestyle and cooking just better food in general because I feel like a nice steak, potatoes, and honey and fruit is just absolutely delicious. Absolutely. So good. So we want you guys to perform your best and be healthy. So really take notes to get that metal water bottle to use to fill up your water bottle. You know, start making those little changes so that we can avoid these things that could end up really hurting us in the long run and keep you not feeling well for cheer, having those sugar crashes, having all those things. So we want you to perform the best you can. So going back to the seed oils, I know we were talking about this earlier at a practice. So can you find those oils and other things besides food and should you avoid it? Yeah, so you'll often see seed oils. Oh. Yeah, so you'll often see seed oils in a lot of like skincare products, like lotions. Uh, They're sometimes in different shampoos and stuff. And well, it's probably not as bad as actually eating it. Those things still are gonna absorb through your skin into your body. So I would still look out and avoid them there too. You can just look right on the back of the ingredients label. Uh, A lot of those conventional products are gonna have other uh, toxins in there too that personally I would avoid. Uh, but that's going to have less effect on your overall health and especially on your performance than the food you eat does. So let's move on to some talk about social media. So for those who would like to get their name out and get started in social media, what would you recommend them first do? So I would say don't take the approach that I took of just trying to make viral video after viral video after viral video. If you want to make a viral video, once you sort of have yourself established or you know what you're going to be about, then yeah, do that. But I would say the first thing you should do is figure out why you want to start putting out a message on social media. What really sort of transformed my sort of brand into being something more meaningful is I sat down and I wrote out a mission statement of exactly what my goals on social media are. And that really helps me sort of build all of my content in a way that it's like goal oriented. I want to help people improve their lives, improve their health, become happier people. I I want to help people thrive in all the content that I put out, right? So that doesn't have to be your goal. Your goal can be as simple as, I just wanna make people laugh. But I think you need to sort of have a goal with what you want to do with your content. Some people will say you need to niche down and stick to something very specific. For example, like the outdoors. If you're a backpacking TikToker, then you should focus only on backpacking. Or if you're a cheer TikToker, you know, only post things related to cheer, whatever. So as I was after I had made all my viral videos and I was like, man, this social media is a mess and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, 
I, I started looking at my different interests and trying to decide, okay, what do I want my niche to be? And I, I realized that I didn't want to put myself in a box like that, which don't get me wrong. You can create a very successful channel. A, a lot of people do. A lot of people that are far more successful than me have. So I follow a lot of camping and backpacking YouTubers where all they post is camping and backpacking. And while I really enjoy those things and I really enjoy cheerleading and I really enjoy lifting, I did not want to put myself in a box like that. So I decided to make my content just me and sharing my life and sharing my story and trying to create a way to uplift other people. So I would say the first thing to do, set out your goal, define what your content's going to be, whether it's about you and your life or something specific, setting so you have sort of an overarching like theme of what your content is and what goal it's trying to solve. Then I would say create as much content as you can. Do not have paralysis by analysis. That especially with YouTube, that was a big thing for me. I'm starting to get better about it. But I would always, I would like record a YouTube video and I would start editing it and be like, this is garbage, throw it away. And I was such a perfectionist about YouTube that I was only putting out a, like less than one video a month, which is bad. The more content you put out, not only is that more content that's getting pushed out to all these different people to help build your audience, you're going to get better at making content by making content. Mm. So what I would say to do, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, make as much content as you can. Obviously, you don't want to just be putting out tons of garbage content, but focus on making as much quality content as you can and putting it out even if you think it's not perfect. And you, trust me, you will get feedback from people on the internet. They'll tell you what they like, what they don't like. And depending what type of person it is, you can take their advice or you cannot. Mm. Um, but that's what, I, that's what I'd say. One, have a goal, have a theme. And then two, keep posting. Even if you're not getting traction, just keep posting. Because one, your videos just might not be sent out to the right people yet. These algorithms that they use are very complex. I, I hate saying the algorithm because it's not just like one algorithm. They have so many different little algorithms in there. It's very complicated. You don't know if your content has been sent out to your goal audience yet. One. And then two, like I said, you're going to learn by posting more. Um, so don't get discouraged by the numbers. Just keep posting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Cause I like, I kind of blew up after my season at TGLC and I had, I could truly just post, like, I just kind of blew up and got really big in the cheer world and got a lot of like followers and views and stuff. And I could really post whatever I want, but as that started to die down, the only thing that was really getting me any traction was just cheer. And that was fun for me for a while. Like, yeah, like I was going to the gym every day. Like I had opportunities to film cheer content, which was perfect. Mm -hmm. But now after a year at Ohio state, you know, I'm in a very different place than I used to be with just doing cheer. So I was starting to struggle with like getting views. And I was like, Oh, like I only got to post cheer. I got to make this perfect, this and that. But the more that I look towards like your account and other people who now, like, like you say, you have these goals. I think that's a really good way to orient yourself because I was in a time where I was just posting whatever the heck I can make and it just wasn't doing anything because it was just kind of like garbage and not 
mm-hmm. goal oriented. It was not what it was not something that I had a passion about. Like I, this is what I want to do, and here's why. I didn't have that why. So I will also take that advice and put it into right. my content as well because of course I want to keep pushing that out. But yeah, man, I love I love the goal oriented. I think that's great. Thanks. I, I would also say too don't forget about what makes you you and what makes you interesting. So like I'm putting out content about, you know, nutrition, living a better life, all that type of stuff, you know, fixing your, your food, your sleep, your health, all that is sort of like the overarching theme of my content. But I relate it all back to what I do, how I spend my days. I relate it to cheer. I relate it to weightlifting. Really, those two. Uh, <laughs> those are the big ones. I, I relate it sometimes, you know, to school or computer programming, those type of things that I do too. Mm-hmm. But, and I, th- I think that also helps the audience relate to you if they're like, oh, I'm a cheerleader. That guy's a cheerleader. I, if he's doing that, I can do that. Or he's, you know, he lifts weights. I lift weights too. Or I'll also, another fun thing that I got this from a book called Superfans mm-hmm. is I will also try to throw in random info about just things that I like too. Like I'll mention like, Oh, today I'm going to watch my favorite movie, Napoleon dynamite. And then I get a bunch of comments saying, Oh my goodness, that's my favorite movie too. <laughs> so I, I think make sure that like when, when I first started having this goal and stuff, I, my content for a little bit there was just very bland. And I felt like I was like regurgitating self-help books. Hmm. So unless you're some like super successful person or something and you can just solely talk about success or whatever, I think it's better to make sure you're still relating everything you make back to you and your life. Something that I also would like to add is that don't ever be afraid to embarrass yourself a little bit because think about all the content that you see. Like there's just some random stuff out there. Like truly, it's just the crazy stuff. So never be afraid to embarrass yourself a little because I think embarrassing yourself a little comes from a genuine place and also confidence-based and people like to see stuff. They can take it as funny. They can take it as whatever they like, but you being you, being undeniably yourself, I think is also one of the greatest things you can do as well on social media because people like to see genuine things rather than the perfectly edited superstars that it's just not real. You know, it's not real. So be real, be genuine, bro. Yeah, don't be afraid of what people are going to comment. I get a lot of hate comments. I get a lot of positive, nice, supportive comments. I get a lot of hate comments too. And I just tell myself, these aren't real people. If they feel the need to comment mean things on the internet, their life must be so miserable that they're not even worth thinking about. And also, your content will change so much. Like, if, if you post something... It's like I get I get the like three years ago today, whatever, and I see a TikTok I posted a couple years ago. I'm like, wow, that is embarrassing. I can't believe I posted that. <laughs> but that just means you're growing, you know? Like if if you look back and see that the old things you did were bad, that just means you've gotten better. Heck yeah. Speaking of mission statements, so here's ours as the college cheer guides. The college cheer guides focuses on developing athletes to become elite collegiate cheerleaders. Our program not only focuses on advanced skill progression, but the disposition it takes to become a collegiate cheerleader. The curriculum we have developed encourages athletes to fulfill their ambitions in cheerleading and create goals that reflect and uphold the ideals of the collegiate cheer community through spirit, 
athleticism, leadership, and character building. So cheerleading is really heavy on the mind. So what are the little things you like to do to clear your head and take time to yourself, especially with the responsibilities and pressure of cheerleading? Good question. <clears throat> Does this, is this more in the context of if I'm getting overwhelmed mentally, like at a practice or just so like in general in life? Well, I guess in both aspects, like what do you do at practice if you're kind of having a bad day or what do you do outside of practice to kind of fix those mindsets? Yeah. So like in the moment, two things. One, I pray to God because he'll guide me. I trust him. Two, I read this book a while ago called what to say when you talk to yourself. And it, it sort of explains why self-talk is important because you know you're you're going to talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else so you can really program your mind to think however you want to think so if, if i'm struggling at practice or i'm getting down on myself i will reframe that and try to spin it in a positive light to uplift myself so for example let's say um i keep dropping back handspring ups one option in my head, I could be like, man, you big dumb idiot. Why do you keep dropping back handspring ups? This is such an easy stunt. Come on, man. Why are you so bad? Instead, I try and reframe that into Garrett. You've been able to do a back handspring up for years. Don't get like, you know, the technique. And I, I, I try to reinforce myself, you know, that I know what I'm doing. I'm good enough to be doing this. And that really helps me there. As far as just sort of clearing my mind in general, I really like just going for walks. Um, if I'm somewhere where it's busy and there's a lot of noise, I'll put in headphones. But if I'm just out in nature, I'll go for a walk without headphones, listen to the sound of nature, chat to myself, chat with God. And I find that that really relaxes me, calms me down. If, if the ground is nice, I'll take off my shoes, really get rooted in, connected with the earth. Hell yeah. And I find that that keeps me cool, keeps me calm. And going for a walk is a, you know, good for your heart. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially with social media, phones, all this instant gratification and simulation. I feel like the best thing you can do is just get outside, you know, feel the sun, look at the trees, look at the beauty of nature. You know, God put all this nature on the earth for a reason. I think being able to enjoy that rather than, you know, looking at videos on your phone is a very good way to clear your mind. There's so many beautiful things out in nature with just the air. Getting some fresh air is just so nice. Another thing I like to think about too is you can have a bad minute, you can have a bad hour, you can have a bad two hours, but you'll never have a bad day. You can always reframe that. It's just don't let one problem lead into the rest of your day. There's always something you can do to reframe that. And it's just a bad minute, bad hour, never yeah. a bad day. You woke up today. You woke up with blessings. Just remember that. And, and even if, say, say there's terrible things going on for you the entire day or whatever, that's a learning experience. Reflect mm. on that. At the end of the day, look back and see, okay, what went wrong? What could I have done better? Or what could I have done better in previous days to prevent this? And do, it's like a, uh, what's the word? Like a like a post event breakdown of 
figuring out how you can correct, take corrective action to prevent that from happening again in the future. So no matter what, even if you have an absolutely terrible day, you can always get something out of it, whether it be a lesson or, you know, anything. I agree. Something, something that I really liked that I, my stuck group and I had last year was we, I heard this speech from Jocko Willink called good. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, you didn't get the job done. Good. Didn't get the, the skill you wanted. Good. Got fired from your job. Good. You know, you're, it's, everything is a learning experience. And I always like to, the thing that he said there was reassess, recalibrate, and then re-engage. Take a step back, assess the situation, calibrate what you're going to do in the next time you go at it, and then engage. Get back after it. It's okay to stay, take a step back. And also you have friends. You know, you have people, there are so many people you can talk to, whether it be on the internet, whether it be your mom, your dad, your family members, your friends, everybody around you. There's people willing to listen. And that is always another option if you feel that maybe getting inside your head isn't the healthiest thing. You know, you might not have a, the best mindset, but it is important to make your head a nice place to live in because you live in it your whole life. You're going to be talking to yourself your whole entire life. So make it a nice place. But you also have other people to always listen to you. And if you're ever having, you know, some complications, just, just talk, get it out. Don't want to bottle up those emotions. So elite stunning, throwing them big boy stunts. Fogel, tell us about some of your favorite stunning skills. I would say that my favorite skill right now is a front one and a half. Not the most consistent at it, but when I do hit one and it's good and it's clean, it just feels nice. Heck yeah. You know? yeah there's nothing better than the feeling when you hit a stunt to the top and you know it was the hardest time. You're just like, yeah, I did that. It yeah. Was sick. Yeah. Something that Coach said today was yeah, the sound. The sound when the stunt yeah, smacks. So true. It's like, yeah, yeah, that felt so good. It's almost, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like those videos that you see on yeah, the, oh, the ASMR type yes, of that's like that's like the feeling yeah. you get from it. It's like, wow. Yeah, that was so nice. For context, the way our coach described it is when you hit a stunt and it's clean to the top, it sounds like a fastball going into a catcher's mitt, like in baseball. I think that describes it perfectly. Like we were doing rewinds today and I could tell like the ones that weren't quite there and it was, you know, a little bit not quite at the top or whatever, didn't have that sound. But the one that smack, that's nice. Heck yeah. Um, throughout, so throughout your years of cheer, what do you think has helped you get to where you are now skill-wise? You know, it's the progressions. What's thing, what things in stunning did you hold to the utmost importance to get you where you are now? I really just think focusing on the basics and making sure your basics are clean. Uh, I think something that helped me a pretty good bit is at Miami, you know, we really only, like we did rewinds when we competed, but when we were doing stunts together as a team, the highest we ever really went was like a platform lid, or I think maybe a platform stretch or maybe pull through lid. I don't know. But like basic toss stunts was all we were doing at practice as a team. So obviously I could hit those. So all I would focus on is trying to make it as clean as possible tossing everything directly to grip, not taking any steps, uh, absorbing with my legs, catching my stumps with my arms locked out. And then I think that really helped when I came to Ohio State and started doing more big boy stunts, you know, a lot of flipping stunts, more complicated spinning stunts. Mm -hmm. 
that really helped me because now every single time I do a full up, I'm catching it right in the right grip. Or even with, you know, more complicated like back handspring full ups or front one and a halfs, I better have, I have a better ability to catch in, even if it's not the perfect grip, catch something close to it that's easy to adjust. Um, and I, I think really focusing on being super clean in the basics is important. Another thing I would say is to not ever quit. Keep being consistent. Uh, like I, I'll be honest, I have not progressed in my stunting as fast as I would like to. Um, however, I've been able to, you know, I can do front one and a half. So that's a decent skill. Heck yeah. Uh, solely because even though I feel like I'm not progressing as fast as I want to, I still keep showing up day after day and focusing on what I can do right. Like, what can I do in this moment to get better at this skill that I'm working on? Absolutely. And for like our, for like our guys out there, something, a tip that I got um, from one of our teammates was after every stunt, no matter what it was, extension, toss to lib, front one and a half, one to one, doesn't matter what stunt, make it the biggest pop off you can. Get that workout to dip even after you hit that stunt and you fought for it. Dip as low as you can and boom, shoot her up into the sky because that's a workout every time you get it. Also, something I also like to do that I think helps me a lot, especially with like visualization, is writing down a lot of things I have to remember. Actually, you told me this, Fogel, was writing down like a set list of basic things I need to think about every time I go into a stunt and doing it with intent, like squeezing my elbows and squeezing my lats, hitting it to grip, making sure I put my left hand right underneath my right tip, toss it that perfect lip every time, as well as screen recording some videos that I see and just kind of studying that, especially like those guys at like Weber State doing crazy complicated stunts or even back answering ups and things that I'm working on now, just screen recording and seeing what they're doing and something I can do different. Always keep learning, always keep adjusting and yeah, keep getting after every day. I love that photo. So one thing that I did to help with that is I, created a notes a, a note on my phone where I have different stunts like rewind front handspring up and variations back handspring up and variations hand in hand and variations and I will put notes for that skill underneath it so then when I go to stunt if I'm struggling with a particular skill, I can go look, okay, what are my notes of things that work for me when I do this skill? Mm -hmm. And I read that and then I think, and then I find it actually helps me. Another thing that I've recently started doing, I'm actually in the process of doing, is I wrote out a script on my computer for different various stunts where I write very detailed step-by-step -step everything that I do for that stunt. And then I record my own voice reading that. Hmm. And then I listen to it. And I like, for example, if it's like a back handspring up, it's, I haven't recorded the back handspring up audio yet, but it would be like, okay, you're going to see the girl standing in front of you. As she shrugs, you shrug. As you see her hands pass eye level, that's when I'm going to reach in and go forward and grab her hips and then rock over. And I, it sort of helps me as I listen to that. I can visualize it better in my head and get more reps in, get more stunting reps in 
while I'm going for a run or a walk or a ruck or whatever, or just like walking to class, it's, I'm not actually getting more reps in, but I'm getting more mental reps in mm-hmm. even when I'm not actually practicing. Is a ruck a run and a walk? A, a ruck is, it, it comes from like a military term. I, I don't know the exact words in the word, like the rucksack is the big backpack they carry. So oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I just have my backpack that I take backpacking with me and my friend lent me some like steel plates that you put on a barbell. I put some weight in my backpack and uh, walk around at a brisk pace. Beautiful. Well, Fogel, thanks so much for coming on this podcast. We really appreciate it. I've loved all the conversation that we've had. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Like Always like talking to you guys. Heck yeah. So for the closing message, Fogel, for all the aspiring collegiate cheerleaders out there, what would be your message to them to accomplish that goal of becoming a collegiate cheerleader? I would say just work as hard as you can, as often as you can, all the time. Become relentless. If being a college cheerleader, making a certain team, winning a collegiate national championship is really important to you, become undeniable. Do not let there be any reason that you do not achieve your goals. Live your life in a way that aligns with your goals. If you say, you know, I want to make this college cheer team, you better, you better stump like you're going to make that team. You better eat like you're going to make that team. You better sleep like you're going to make that team. You better, you know, spend your weekends doing things that are productive and contribute to that goal because at the end of the day, you don't want to have any regrets. You don't want to not make the team and then look back and think, man, if I had done X, Y, and Z, I really could have made it. Thanks, Fogel. I think they will take that. And I think all of you will achieve your goals. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Your support fuels the next generation of aspiring collegiate cheerleaders and continues to help us be the college cheer guides. We also want to give a huge shout out to this week's sponsor, Sean Christie at Sean Christie Social Media for helping make this podcast possible. Stay tuned in for our upcoming episodes. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and ask us about topics or questions that you want to hear. To stay up to date with the College Cheer Guides podcast and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on our social media and check out our website, thecollegecheerguides.com.